is the Almost Awakened Podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality with your hosts, Brittany Hartley and Bill Reel. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. All right, all right. Britt Hartley, how are you? I'm so good, Bill. How are you? Good. I'm super excited for today's conversation. Uh, But before we get to it, anything else, anything going on in your life? I'm working on a, a youth program. It's almost ready to kind of show to the public, but putting my money where my mouth is when it comes to trying to do, you know, have the conversations that we're having and the work yeah. that we're doing and how do we, the, the big issue that I meet with, you know, any adult when I'm, when I'm meeting with a client is, you know, how do I pass this on to my teens or my kids? And so I'm really excited. I've been working mm. on that for a long time. Um, cause that's always, that's always been the dream. I was a seminary teacher and I was a history teacher and I was a philosophy mm. teacher. And I was always trying to find some way or some system where I could teach yeah. the class that I wanted to teach. And I'm finally trying to, trying to be able to do it. So that's the project that I've been working on. And this audience will be the first to know when that's all done. So uh, I'm glad to hear it. every, whenever you're doing something, it just, it seems to be meaningful. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of being able to rub shoulders with somebody who's really makes an effort to make a difference in the world. Appreciate that. Appreciate you, Bill, and all the stuff. I mean, you're not only on this podcast, but other yeah. podcasts doing lots of conversations about lots of things and, yeah. and uh, yeah, just rolling along, enjoying. I'm having a fun life. This is good stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's the Sisyphus. We're rolling this ball up the hill and it may ultimately be meaningless, but it's, you know, we're enjoying the journey. So that's you, you recommended a, do. You recommended a book to me. I put a little post on Facebook asking for book recommendations. And uh, it was about how spirituality really is the uh, secret to people, you know, losing some edge of depression and feeling more productive in the world. Um, What was the name of the book? I don't remember. remember. Oh, man. Somebody, somebody, (laughs) you recommended somebody else seconded it. And Uh, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm almost done with it. I, uh, my goal is to read 50 it? books. I, I, I turned my phone off, so I don't have it in front of me, but I've been listening okay. to hours and hours of it. So while you guys are talking today, I'll go find it and I'll share it maybe at the end of the show. Okay. All right. So, I don't remember what I said. No okay. biggie, but it was I'm about sure spirituality, that yeah. psychotherapy and all that stuff really doesn't get at it. It really needs mm, to be wisdom, yeah. um, a, a sort of oh, rational mystic. I think was it that. I don't think so. I Maybe That's not. okay. No biggie. All right, I'll figure it out. But it does tie into, I mean, the who yeah. you've got today is very much along the lines of well, this, this is work, totally so. rare. This is totally rare for us. Usually when we have a guest on, it's like someone emails us saying, Hey, I really like this voice over here. Can you invite them to the podcast? Or one of us will hear yeah. something and we'll send it to the other. And this was the rare, this is the first time that it's happened where I have this guy's books that I bought separately. <laughs> And you, without us even talking to no, each other, not at all. also bought the books for your grandkids. And yes. I have them for And my I kids. love them. I went online. And I did a bunch of research about yes. what children's books have the most impact on, on children. And it was this And I person. did the same thing. And it yeah. popped up on my Amazon because I like to, you know, 
you know, the algorithm will say, you know, you might like this book or whatever. And so we both independently found this guy and then said, we've got to bring him onto the podcast because we were already doing this with our kids and grandkids. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, bring onto the podcast, Andrew Newman, who is the author of these books for kids called Conscious Stories. Andrew, so nice to have you on today. Good morning. Good morning. Well, good morning for me from uh, Maui, Hawaii, and so nice to be in a conversation about the almost awakened. Yes. Show us your and shirt, Andrew. I don't think this took any coordination either. Yeah. Awake-ish. I like oh, it. The, the, yeah, Dr. Shafali has has a wonderful parenting uh, counsel and advice, and at a recent conference. Uh, she had these T-shirts, and I just thought Awakish is perfect. I, I like the almost awakened. I don't, you, you know, we're on a constant growing yeah. journey here. There is no period at the end of the sentence in mm -hmm. our growth that says we've made it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're like this is the end. Bill um, and I have gone through multiple like this is it. This is the idea, and then the next episode <laughs> will be like we're just children. Like I've just been born and know nothing, yeah. and we just keep doing that over and over. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like Richard Rohr calls it kind of the second half of life, right? Second half of life. And I, I believed a lot of things on the front end. They turned out not to be true. So now anything goes, let, let's figure out. I know what it isn't. I don't have a clue what it is, but let's try to let's try to tiptoe around the edges of it and see if we can learn something today. Yeah, this is this is why I'm so excited about creativity yeah. and yeah. helping people with creativity because you just kind of summed it up. It's like, you know, creativity bubbles. Where does it come from? Like when you start writing, like where does that poem come from? Where do these stories that I write come from? Um, I mean, I know some of the things that inform them, but that's that spark of inspiration that comes through me. I'm kind of mesmerized watching myself do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that's if we can live on that front edge of life, life gets very, uh, very engaging. Yeah, you're doing a great thing, my friend. Mm -hmm. All right. So just so you know, Andrew, for our audience, so so Bill and I, we don't talk about it on the podcast a lot because there's other podcasts that are dedicated to this, but Bill and I come from the Mormon tradition and mm -hmm. then kind of had faith transitions through that tradition. And then now we're in the space of how do I, there were so many tools and resources and spiritual benefits from where we came from. We can't, you know, have the intellectual humility and and be able to continue on that same path but how do we get all those juicy tools um without having to believe things that we now may think are unbelievable right mm -hmm. and so we're in this space and so our audience are is also kind of in this space of trying to dig out the best of spirituality while leaving as much baggage to the side as we can. So that's kind of our project is this kind of baby in the bathwater project. And so we get people who are coming from religions and then we also get people kind of on the other side who maybe have been raised secular, but are wanting a little bit more, how do I raise children and that kind of thing. And so with that in mind, could you kind of just tell us who you are and really about just kind of how you were raised and the spiritual journey that kind of brought you to where you are today? Uh, thanks, Britt. I, 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 I'm an, you're listening to a South African accent. So I grew up in apartheid era South Africa, born in the early 70s. And uh, it was an era of control. Um, uh, really strong governmental structures over, uh, over actually over everybody, 
Uh, although the typical uh, perspective is that it was just white over black. This wasn't, you know, we, we weren't allowed to discuss the politics of the country. We weren't allowed to be in uh, in a narrative. And um, and that got reflected in the religious space as well. I was uh, I was educated in an Anglican environment. My entire schooling was, uh, you know, church five or six times a week. Um, and a home with parents who were kind, uh, loving, uh, gentle, um, and, and, and not emotional. Um, and uh, so there wasn't any language, and really it was only in the middle of the 80s that, that an author coined the term emotional intelligence. That didn't exist for, for the first 10 years, and it certainly didn't exist in my parents' vocabulary for most of their life. Um, and uh, at a certain point, and I kept dipping into the to the 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 church space and um, and trying is what I would say. I would say I tried, I tried, I tried, and but I was always like things didn't quite meet me. It didn't make uh, not in a not in an embodied, heartfelt way that I could I could relate with. And it was it was really in my very late twenties, that uh, Saturn return period that folk might speak about astrologically. It's twenty-eight to thirty-two that I discovered the world of of energy and the world of healing, and that that gave me this felt sense of the spiritual self that I had always felt. I was I was a pretty gentle kid. I was a pretty connected kid, and then I was in an environment that was bullying and teasing and controlling. And, the, and I kind of lost my own self. And then it was in coming back through the, uh, through the doorway of energetics that I reconnected to a, a, a much wider, more inclusive spirituality. Um, I'll tell you, you know, I guess what I want to ask, and you're going to obviously get to this, but the set of books, there's a bunch of them that you've written. Um. Mm. I want like the stories themselves are gorgeous, but you do this thing at the beginning of them where you really get people to kind of just the, the children specifically to slow down and it's almost kind of a breathing exercise. And I'm just, I'm curious, you know, Brits asked kind of about your spiritual journey. When do you, when do you really start to feel like you're taking in concepts that are deeply helpful to human development? Like when do you start to really sense like, Whoa, like if we could just get people, to slow down and be present, magical things can happen. Well, well, I certainly started through the through the door of my own suffering, right? Like most of us do. It's like I, my first counseling session that I ever went into was because of a relationship breakup, and and as my as my ex sort of sort of threw her last words at me walking out the door, she says, "You have no idea what love is." And I was like, "You're right. Thank you. That's useful. Let me go and find out." Um, and and she really was right. The, the word love hadn't wasn't in the, the 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 environmental vocabulary that I was raised in at all. Nobody ever said, "I love you," um, and and so it was a confusing thing for me. And uh, I started my inquiry and. Uh, that took me to to the first sort of personal growth courses, the first counseling spaces, and I think that that it took some time for my own uh, my own drama and 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 the pieces that I, I was disconnected to to settle before I could start to look around really in any way um, as my safety returned as as I returned back into connection 
uh, with myself as I plug back into my creativity. And it was like I trained for for four years with Dr. Barbara Brennan and her School of Energy Healing. And um, and that gave me an environment which was a, a group environment where I could look around and go, oh, the things I'm experiencing, I'm not alone in experiencing. Look at all these other classmates. Look at all the clients and practice clients that we're helping at that stage who are all presenting these thematically similar issues in their life. Uh, and 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 we're all adults and we're all trying to resolve our childhood issues and something in that has a level of craziness in it for me it's like it's like wait what like why why don't we just why don't we just not create the issues at the beginning if we can or why don't we better uh, do the work of of repair and restoring confidence within the 24 hours of the incident that is that is that is just uh, destructive to it or, or kind of corrodes it um, so that we don't have to carry things for such a long time in life. I'd certainly carried things for 30 years before I started to go, go looking at it. And, and, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sit at that stage and say, Oh, I'm going to write a collection of conscious bedtime stories. I'm going to make these 20 themes central to them and I'm going to do it. I'm not a, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm much more in the moment than strategic like that. I'm a, I'm a, a ch uh, not a chess player. I'm a, I'm a, a checkers player. Um, and, uh, and at some stage I, it, I, I was out journaling, uh, writing poetry like I like to do. And I, and I wrote a poem and it needed some pictures. Uh, and that became the first book that I didn't know was ever going to be a second book. All I knew was that that was the, the spark of inspiration in that moment. And that book was called uh, a little light. Uh, and um, and I didn't know how to make a book. And I just knew I had a friend who was an illustrator and she charged 10 pounds an hour and I earned 10 pounds an hour. It took us forever to make the thing and we made it up as we went along. And we, we uh, and, and then I didn't share it with anybody because I was very, I was very um, protective over and not yet ready for the world to give me any feedback about it. My experience as a kid was that whenever I created something, the world, took it, chopped it into pieces and said, said, you know, you're not very good at this. And I was like, this is not what this is about. This is my baby. I made it for me. And I kept it for like four years before it started to really get shared. So what was, that was very curious. So what was the impetus that allowed you to kind of open up and what kind of allowed that opening to be able to share that little baby with the world? I'm curious. Yeah, it, it, it's a great question because you, you you catch a curious moment for me as well, was that I was up in the Findhorn Foundation visiting in the north of Scotland. That's one of my sanctuary places, spiritual homes. And, uh, and I wrote another two poems that I immediately knew also needed to be books. So it became all of a sudden there were three of these things and that gave it a little bit more gravitas that I could start to talk about it as it was a thing that I, not just that I had done once, but a thing that I was doing um, and uh, was doing again. And, and yeah, that got me, that got me talking about it a little bit more. So then what was the journey from then to kind of the Ted talk where now you're not just like giving a poem to a friend, you're now kind of on a world stage and being recorded kind of telling the story of, you know, to, yeah, go to the kind of the next step of that journey to up to where your Ted talk goes. Um, I've developed an immense trust in the creative spark 
the thing that comes through me and comes out. And I've practiced following that with open curiosity to see where it takes me. And there was a, there was a, a moment where my entire world had changed. My second parent died. Uh, and I was, I was sitting around asking the question, what am I going to do? I knew I was moving from South Africa to America. I'm the guy who won the green card and the green card lottery. Um, and it, and so it was a, a, a fortuitous opening of an entire world that previously as a South African, I didn't have access to. And, uh, and I was like, what am I going to do when I get there? And at that stage, I went to the, the Frankfurt Book Fair. I looked at the book industry. Uh, I did a, um, a fantastic uh, strategy process with a, a chap by the name of Jonathan Fields. And uh, I came up and said, you know what, this, this, this healing training that I've been doing in the background and these books that I've been doing as little hobbies – somehow seem like they're actually congruent, that they're aligned pieces in, in my path and in my purpose. And, uh, and I want to follow that. And at that stage, I, I knew I was creating conscious bedtime stories as a, as, as a business that I was going to, to, to follow and see where it, see where it took me. Um, many things to learn along the way. I moved to Boulder, Colorado. I, I, did my first farmer's markets. I worked out how to print books, how to, how to put, you know, how to mechanize a business um, in, in books. And, um, and those, those early moments of meeting people and standing behind a table and saying, here, here, this is what I'm thinking. This is, this is, this is what arises through me. I want to share it. Tell me what you think. Hopefully these are helpful. Let me know how they're helpful. And, uh, and, and the responses were, were, were really just overwhelmingly beautiful and, and, and absolutely wonderful. Um, and I want to come to the bedtime part of it because, you know, you started at the beginning by uh, we were talking about our different spiritual upbringings. One of the things that, that was very um, curious to me was, was it was sort of like prayers were – you go to bed just before you go to sleep. You say your nighttime prayers, and then you climb to bed, and you do that. Now, there was something in that that I still liked. I had had this profound experience as a <clears throat> as a as a as a kid on the night where I I, I got um, I got really scared that that in that moment I I had gone to prayer by myself, and 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 I just remember like. The bedtime and transitions and connection with parents seem to have so much sweetness in it. Um, how does how does that get lived in a spirituality that is not um, not Christian or not prayer centric in a home that's perhaps values centric um, and that's connection centric? And I was like like paying attention to that. And so my my TED talk, which is why the last twenty minutes of the day matter was an exploration of that from the spiritual side. It was an exploration of uh, how do, what happens to our trauma? Where, where do we put it in our body? And it was like this little light bulb moment to me that says trauma happens when we're awake. Nobody had ever said that to me in all of these years of like study. We'd never stated this thing that was so obvious that you're awake when it happens. If you're asleep and something traumatic happens, you wake up and um, but then, then our body and our brain is, is making sense of our day. It's integrating our experiences, our painful experiences, and our, and our, and our, and our good experiences, and it's developing behavior 
practice. We, we develop scripts that guide our behaviors that say, in order to stay safe, you should or shouldn't do something. Um, and it's just a, it's just a beautiful mechanism for safety. Um, but if it's developed in an infant mind in the first couple of years of their life, that, that, that mechanism may no longer be serving us as we, as we grow in, into adulthood and we mature. Um, and so again, how can we do, go all the way back to our kids? And if they had a difficult experience today and we meet with them tonight before they go to sleep, can we be the restorative moment for that difficult experience before the strategy gets developed and, and all of the behavioral um, mechanisms get put into place so that they protecting themselves um, and feel like they, they can't, they can't face the world just by being who they are. I think it's brilliant by the way, because we know now science tells us that uh, often our REM sleep, our dreams, the things that go on at night that our brain goes through is a way to reconcile the things that didn't, go the way they should have in our real life, right? Like it's our chance to take these traumas and to process them and to kind of get rid of some of it. And, and you're right. I, I don't know where exactly they're stored, but I can tell you they're in there, uh, our trauma, um, because all of us have really horrendous things happen to us in the nature of being a human being. Some of it's unavoidable. I, I always say there's this certain amount of trauma that um, we're going to incur no matter what. Uh, just the birth of a child is traumatic for the baby and the mother. Right. Um, we're going to incur trauma no matter what. And the ability to come at the end of the day, as you're pointing out uh, with these stories that you do and to give little, you know, little kids the chance to take a deep breath, to think about parts of their world that don't exactly go the way they think. And to then be given tools to kind of deal with that to me is just not only brilliant and practical, but man, so much needed, I think in a world today that, I think maybe for the first time is a space where your books could have deeply succeeded. Um, Cause I don't think there's anything like this 50 years ago and right. 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And um, I don't know if it would have been successful then. I think now's the moment where people really are welcoming in spirituality, completely disentangled from religion. Right. So anyway, yeah. I just want to say thanks. And, 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 so, so let let's let's let me let me throw in a few a few of the themes for folks who who don't know the collection, mm. and you get the themes through through the titles. Um, we'll do story time in a minute together, so stick around for that. This is a, uh, and there's a one of the kids' favorite stories is a book called The Hug Who Got Stuck. It's about a little hug coming out of the hug factory in the center of the heart. There it is. You guys got your copies. And as this hug tries to get out of the hug factory in the center of the heart, it gets caught in the web of sticky thoughts. So this is a, a, a an age-old head-heart dilemma. This is it doesn't matter, you know, anything about your ethnicity or your racial belief or, or anything. This is going to happen to you. <laughs> You're going to try and keep your heart open, and your head is going to uh, your head is going to tell you some 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 sticky thoughts. Maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you don't belong. Those type of things. We've all got to meet those moments and find our way past them uh, then i've got here the boy who searched for silence um, and uh, this was written after a, a four-day silent meditation the story just dropped in wrote itself um, I, I felt like it came right through um, the, the girl with waterfall eyes is one of the one of the more um, um, dreamy meandering stories and 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 each book's got a 
It's a little core lesson. This one says helping children to see beauty in themselves and others. And so, so uh, Bill, you've been pointing to the, the architecture of the book. It's like the reading experience that uh, starts with what we call the snuggle breathing meditation. Mm. Then we go into the story. And then at the end of the story, there are um, uh, there's an activity page. To It's a conversation starter. I, I mean, one thing I hear from parents, you know, the, your kids jump in the car after school. You say, how was your day? And they go, fine. And that's the only word they utter. When you tuck them in at night and you read them a story, yabba, 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 chit, 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 chit. This happened, that happened. I don't know about this. Da, 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 da. So it, it, there's an opening that happens at that time and in that side-by-side um, -side connection as, you, as you, you snuggle together that really allows some connection. We want to use the activity pages in the back of the book as just a, a conversation starter and a bit of direction. That's a little bit of like drop in. In the easiest possible way, a playful skill that uh, that's that we don't even know is being learned, but the language is coming into the space. So then you can say, "Oh, honey, do you need, do you have a stuck hug?" Um, you know, or do you remember what happened to the the bee who couldn't choose her flower when she didn't make a decision? Can I help you making a decision now? And then the, the language of the stories comes right into the home and becomes. Uh, just part of everyday life. One of my favorites, the uh, the dad who didn't know, you yeah. know, like um, us adult kids have this impression that adults have everything figured out, and I think it only helps a kid to understand that not none of us have all the answers. Um, I, I think it's and obviously as a grandpa, it also gives me a little chance to poke my son a little bit as I'm reading to his grandkid, to my grandkid, that his dad doesn't know everything, you know. So <laughs> and then I really enjoy your work. You. So I had a couple of things that came up for me. Um, I love, I loved a couple of things there. So first of all, I, I understand what you mean by, you know, maybe like you were born in this Christian context and then it just wasn't resonating with you, but there were certain tools there that were helpful. And how do I plug in a more helpful tool in that space? Right. So when you're talking about prayer, I had the same thing happen with my family where, um, I didn't feel like I could pray anymore with my kids. Like that just didn't feel good to me. But then gathering around at dinner time and saying something like as a family to start, we're going to say something here um, still felt really important, still felt like this is really valuable, something that I should do. And so even just like a couple weeks ago, I just felt like um, I'd like to do something here. And so I just thought of a and so I'm making something up. And so I just, my kids like the movie Lilo and Stitch. And so before dinner, we'll hold hands and we'll say, Ohana means family and family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. And it's just a little thing, but because there was something valuable in that, in my memories of gathering with my family and saying something and, and kind of quieting down before we eat a meal that was really valuable. And I had to find some way to keep that value, but do it in a way that that felt authentic to me. And so this, this book kind of does that same thing where instead of kind of gathering and maybe saying a prayer wish list, which is how I was raised that before bed, we say sorry for all the terrible things that we did so that God doesn't, you know, whatever. And we <laughs> make our wish list of all the things that we wish God would do for us. Um, you know, I didn't want to do that. I wasn't interested in that. But you're right. There was something there in that connection, in the dark, in the quiet, 
where there's a moment there for teaching and for opportunity. And so mm-hmm. I get this sense. I have one daughter who I read this, these books to the most. She's, she's my most emotional daughter. So just really big emotions. She's six. And um, I just get the sense that whenever we're together at night, she's borrowing my nervous system a little bit when we snuggle. You know, she's right. borrowing my body for a little bit. She's borrowing my thoughts a little bit in order to cope with her, her day. And the breakthrough was that, you know, you start reading these books and then not always, you know, there'll still be the tantrums and, and that kind of thing. But once in a while, there'll be this breakthrough where a six-year-old can verbalize, I have some sticky thoughts. Can we go lay down and, and get the hug out she'll say something like that and we'll go and we'll breathe and we'll talk about all the people who love her and all the people she loves and um, we'll kind of do this together and then she'll go about her day and yeah maybe it's one time out of ten but she's six and that's a really big skill for a six-year-old to learn right because we didn't you know you and me and bill it doesn't sound like we got these skills till we were in adulthood so that's been the really beautiful thing for me to watch is I'm, I'm looking at all these places in my life where there was a religious or specifically Christian kind of tool, but then is there a better thing that I can plug in there that's going to be more helpful than maybe the prayer wish list or, or whatnot. And um, so that's been the most valuable part for me was just kind of seeing that language come into the, come into the family conversation and hope that, hope that these tools help them and aid them as they get older so that they don't have to look so hard to find these tools like or maybe suffer you know longer than they need to as human beings um so that's that's just kind of what that brings up in me yeah i had i had a profound moment with a when i was first developing these books and and developing the snuggle breathing meditation so the four breaths of i breathe for me I breathe for you, I breathe for us, and I breathe for all that surrounds us. And that's the, the transition tool that gets us into, uh, into the world of story. Uh, and I had been, been developing this in, in a, I was living in a community. There was a, there was a three-year-old uh, in the space who we tried this with and with certain success and certain resistance. And you will find that your kids at some stage go, I don't want to do the breathing. And it's like, you just, you know, you're like, well, well, mommy wants to do the breathing. This is good for her. So I'm just going to do it. You don't have to join. And then you just do it out loud right there. They will entrain and attune and and most likely come along for the journey or they'll try and hold their breath for the whole time. It, it doesn't, you're still doing the modeling of what it is that is possible for them. And, and, and fast forward three years I'm going to hang out with this now six-year-old. I'm actually, I'm actually babysitting. We're uh, we're under the pillow fort. We're reading Harry Potter, and I'm having a bit of a bit of a challenging day emotionally. And and this kid reaches in, you know, says, "Are you going to cry again?" I said, "I might cry. I'm feeling a little a little sad today." And his hand reaches in through the the pillow fort, takes my hand, and says, "Let's do that thing you do at the start of your stories." And I was like, then I cried, <laughs> you know, then I cried. I was like, oh my goodness. It's like at the first moment of this, this, this way that I'm putting out into the world, suggesting folks try this and then not, 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 you know, not really plugged back into the loop of that and having someone use that as a way to hold me. It was like, oh, such comfort in my system. 
That literally happened to me yesterday, but not as beautiful. <laughs> it was me losing my patience with one of my kids. My husband's out of town. And so, you know, I have four little kids. And so it's a, it's a two man job. And so I'm, I'm, you know, my voice is starting to raise a little bit. And that same six year old who has a lot of emotional intelligence and a lot of emotional awareness, which is why she's just such an emotional little kiddo is because she's taking all these emotions. in. she said, do you, Hey mom, do you want to go outside and take some breaths? Because sometimes I'll say that I'm going to go outside and take some breaths. And I'm just modeling that like, this is what mom's doing and why, but I wasn't saying that. And she actually kind of said to me, Hey mom, do you want to go take, go outside and take some breaths? And it was like, Oh yes, I do. (laughs) And I went outside and I took some breaths and she was six and she noticed like, Oh, this Mom's at a level where usually she says to me, I'm going to go take a little walk and take a little mom time out. But I wasn't doing that. I hadn't said that yet. And so she gave me kind of a little prompt there because she knew that that's something that mom needs to do. And she seems to come back better when she does that. And so, um, you know, I love just having that be part of the family conversation. And like Bill was saying, I can't imagine kind of families communicating like that 50 years ago there just wasn't the language there just wasn't the science of emotional intelligence there wasn't it just wasn't a part of the conversation yet so let me ask you this question i did this project as part of my master's program um which is which was to go through all of the children's books on offer specifically in this space it would have been christian ish books and kind of look at because what we find is when i if i were to go down to my public library let me start here if i were to go down to my public library there would be a section of kit for kids that would say religion and spirituality and in that section there would be um you know jonah and the whale kind of books usually which is like you know jonah made a mistake and god sent a whale and ate jonah right like there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> Not a lot of room for air, is there? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, it's it's pretty nasty, right? And so, like, there's the non-spiritual books, which often have good messages and morals and all that. But in the actual like religion and spirituality book section, it tends to be there'll be a few kind of other religions. Maybe you'll get uh, a few, a few one or two books from another religion other than Christianity, but there'll be you know, 15 kind of Jonah and the whale type books. And in as part of this master's program, we went through all the children's books available for mostly Christian households and said, you know what, this is a God or this is a direction worth pursuing. And maybe we need to leave, you know, this God kind of behind. And this is really scary for children and this is not good. And so my question is, uh, do you have a goal or do you have a vision or, or even just a hope for, conscious stories and tools like conscious stories to be able to be used by teachers in schools and in libraries and how does this become something where you could go to the library and get a book like this and have it be part of the conversation because on offer generally it's either no religion or jonah and the whale and that's generally what most most parents in america have on offer so how do we how do we break through that or what do you hope out of that well, well, first you say that say this, there are a lot of communities that are open to using 
uh, my collection of books and books like it. There's a there's a really strong. Um, uh, I don't, it's not even a resurgence. It's this new wave around like emotional language, um, social emotional learning. How do we how do we pass skills on through stories? We've been doing that since time time began, and. Uh, the, the one of the first things I did when I set up my business was travel and exhibit at Montessori conferences. So the Montessori school space has a has has a lot of openness to it. The um, the Waldorf Steiner community has a lot of openness to it, but they also have some artistic guidelines that that uh, Steiner. Um, recommended that we you know we, we haven't followed so it you know they might not fit in the school but they'll fit in the home um and then and then you know i've exhibited at the at the association of school librarians um which was a which was fascinating um to to see the engagement at, at, which was really maybe at that stage you know five percent of the librarians in the room really really got what it was that that we were about and what you know what we were doing um and and it is speaking to us being at the front of something it's uh uh it's it's a blink of an eye ago that that you know the east and the west were separate worlds that uh psychology and and mindfulness weren't in the same place at the same time and uh it, it, this is new it's uh it, it's new and it's coming and it it it's uh, the uh, the stories not ninety ninety nine percent of my stories will fit any any school environment, and then the school then there's then there's the 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 school environment that has some high level of sensitivity around the word God and how God is spoken about will will have some pushback. You know, we got a beautiful story called the Laughing Witch. Which is such a caring story. She's so connected to her. She's so in service to her community. And there's some people who can't see past the word witch. It'd um, probably be the same group of people that would that weren't okay with Harry Potter too, right? right <laughs> there may be some overlap there. <laughs> right. And then and then we've got we've got um, a book called The Prayer Who Searched for God, which which characterizes um, a prayer riding on a breath going out into the world searching for god um and and then the the, the discovery being that uh, that the god within aspect of self it's not it's not that only god within god everywhere but but even to have this much use of saying the word god three times in in 60 seconds can 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 there's some people who just really aren't willing to 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 include that in the narrative of the education that they have around their kids and and i mean i, I i've got to respect both sides it's not my my job to to uh to say what your your family values your family beliefs should be that's i'm not going to narrate that i'm just going to say here's what mine have evolved into um and what i see a lot of people's uh, around me in in the worlds that i occupy you know trying to find a way to uh, narrate some of the human experience. Um, you know, where 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 do we find silence? Oh, it's a place inside of us. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, cool. Now that we know that, we don't have to go out into the world look for it because we can we can do the looking for it inside. Or what are we doing when our when our heart gets closed? We're checking on our thoughts. 
we're coming back to our heart. Okay, now let's do that. Um, Mm. A lot of people, um, I didn't, I didn't write you this question in advance, but a lot of people we have on the podcast uh, are fighting a battle on two fronts, meaning they're trying to sell spirituality to the atheist secularists. And then they're trying to sell, um, you know, maybe some deconstruction to the religious, right? So you're, you're fighting a, a war on two fronts because like you said, the religious may have um, certain ways that they want to say about God that they want to keep. And so you have Mm -hmm. to work with that and that's a battle. And then some on on the atheist side, sometimes you throw away spirituality with religion and then there's a loss there that you have to try to get over. And so there's kind of a battle on, on both of those sides. So for, for you and your work, um, how are you finding uh, is there kind of one group that is preferring you over the other? Are you seeing, uh, are you seeing religious people who want to do spirituality better finding your books? Are you, re- is this mostly a, a secular, um, maybe people who aren't going to church who are trying to find moral education and these tools for their children? What would you say is kind of, I don't know, either the battle that you're fighting or the, the people that are finding you in, in this space? Yeah, I, I, you know, I watched I watched a bit of this when I first moved to America, just seeing these different dynamics, you know, hearing of schools developing yoga programs that couldn't use certain words because they needed to be entirely, um, entirely non-spiritual, non-religious, just physical body movement. Yeah, it's uh, a very, and, in America, we have quite a dichotomy and there's problems yeah. on both sides, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely problems on both sides. The, 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 what was clear for me in those early days is that I, I have a spiritual heart and that I was going to stand in that and I wasn't going to compromise my spiritual heart in order to fit into um, a non-spiritual, moral-only space um, and try and, try and um, you know, bypass the fact that we're spiritual beings. That's, it's, my, it's, it's really what I... I know me to be, and it's what I think we are. Um, and but I haven't been too far in the conversation. No, you know, no, but nobody's asked this question before, so I, I like the opportunity to speak to it. Uh, I, I have some concerns about uh, about the removing of um, this sense of spirituality from from the human experience. I think it it leads to a lot of anguish around purpose and around um, uh, identity and um, and direction there, there are definitely things that I've experienced um, uh, in my own life that I would say that part of the moments where I struggle the most like my aloneness is a struggle of mine my occasional bouts of depression it's like a, a lot of these happen when I am what I would call spiritually disconnected and a lot of them are quickly remedied when I can restore that spiritual uh, connection now that has particular meaning for me and I've got to you know I can can sit on the mat or I can go and retreat or I can uh, I can be in community and cohort um, the central thing for me in, in 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 all of the books is 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 the word connection um, I, I speak about it in my TED talk and saying that that Whenever there's a painful moment, there's, there's the, what energy does is it separates, and that there is disconnection that happens. 
and this is like you can see it if it's as simple as relational it's like if i'm having a fight with you we don't feel close anymore we feel separate um and if we can get through that argument and um uh make our way to our apologies and our admissions we will come back into connection and then we will feel better about ourselves and each other um and uh, and i think that that this happens internally in like spiritual connection um internal connection to self um and I, I'm, i'm still exploring at what age developmentally this is true for kids i don't want to say this is you know i don't want you putting this onto your five-year-old i'm saying this is in a way it's an adult thing that as we develop we have this witness capacity that comes in that says i can see myself doing things they, they don't necessarily have that function yet um but developmentally they will grow into it and we want to be able to support support their kindness to themselves when they when they get to that Yeah, last week, Bill and I and and two other commentators, we read through the Brian McLaren's book, Faith After Doubt, and one of his kind of prescriptions for how to make religions better is that this kind of transcendent love and connection that you kind of, that people can talk about in the later later stages of spirituality, that has to be embedded at every stage, like music. And so we teach kids the notes of music, and it's very simple and what they can play on the piano is very simple, but you have to have those tools in order to create your own music when you're 25. And so right. that has love and connection has to be embedded at every level of development so that you can create beautiful music of your own someday. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of, of one of the, the underpinning structures in, in, in most of my stories is, is have, have in it what I would call a healing response. So it's a simple arc uh, where where we it, we meet the character, we see the world they're in, they get into trouble and they get stuck. And then there's a, a, a moment where the stuckness can turn into um, uh, freedom again and they can be themselves and they can take with them the kind of the, the harvest of that difficult moment and what they've learned from it. Uh, and it, 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 it's just, it, there's so much comfort in reading the story that hug who got stuck when it gets unstuck and it gets free, which all the kids are like, yay. And we read and read and do story time and they're, they're, they're cheering and, and we recognize the, the inner experience because, you know, we don't, nobody likes having a tantrum. Not even the five-year-old who's in the middle of it. They don't like being there. It's deeply uncomfortable, and they like the resolution that comes out of that. And we just, if we can hold the the resolution closer to the moment of discomfort, then there's a better there's there's a better a better flow. We can make that transition faster. I'm going to shift here, unless Bill, you have mm. something. Uh, I'm going to shift here to you had on your website um, that not only are you um, doing these books for kids and then, you know, going about and reading them and trying to get them out. But you also do for adults, like creative coaching. So helping adults kind of get to that edge. For me, it's the, I, I'm not particularly an artist or have a lot of visual creativity. Um, but I get to that place where I can, I'm writing and I'm watching myself write. And it's like mm. a, it's a, I'm, my conscious self is watching my subconscious kind of 
write. And so whatever I'm writing, it's almost like a surprise to myself, right? So I yeah. can get, I get to that, that, the most creative space for me is when I'm writing and I can get to this flow state where it's kind of a conversation within myself where I can even be surprised by what I'm writing or, or connections that I've made that I wasn't that I wasn't conscious that I was connecting. And so that's kind of the edge of creativity for me. And I really, really enjoy being in that space. Um, not just, not just for things like depression, because I do get into a flow state, but also just for what comes out of it. Um, I can even be surprised by the wisdom of something that I've written, or I've never heard anyone connect to this idea over here to this idea over here, mm -hmm. but it seems like something in my brain did. And wow, that was interesting. So it's a magical place. There's some mystery around it, right? It's, we don't completely understand that place neurologically, but tell yeah. us kind of about creative coaching and how you help people find that space. Well, for context, when I was 30 years old and went into the, the healing school environment, I, I didn't have a creative bone in my body. I, and so it was a major discovery for me to, to, to reconnect this, this lost aspect of myself and, and then have it become such a prolific aspect of, of, my, of my daily life with the writing and the, and the creating of these books. And, and, uh, and what I noticed is, is that I pretty much feel good all the time when I'm doing the creating. Um, if I'm in the writing space and if I'm in the creating space, I feel like I'm aligned with my purpose. I feel like I'm spiritually connected. I feel like I'm, 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 I'm just doing me the way that I'm designed to do me. Um, and that you, you speak about the flow state. It's like, it feels so good. And, and, and then I, I did this, this quirky little project back in 2010 when the Haiti earthquake had just happened. I was living in Edinburgh in Scotland and um, I went out and I sat down on a sidewalk and I put out a sign and I said, uh, donate a poem. Um, and I invited people to write poetry with the word quake in it as, a, as an act of service to the people of Haiti. Uh, and um, and all sorts of magical things happened um, that that I I couldn't have anticipated, um, but in the process I, I I began a process of watching people's response to create to creating. Um, I, I, I've just I've just been four years learning about the energy field, learning about psychology, learning about the expression of essence and how essence gets trapped and doesn't come out into the world gets withheld and here i was now literally watching i've had i've watched two and a half thousand people write poems spontaneously on the streets and um and and, and i've seen all of the language of resistance where people say the same thing no i can't i don't know how i haven't written a poem in forever we've seen the group of people who say yes here here i can write a poem and then hand it to me and go but it's rubbish and they belittle themselves immediately for this brand new beautiful thing that they've just done um and and so along the way i've i've began to track uh, the different uh, expansion and contraction cycles that that creative living is that that life is that 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 i was first introduced to in the healing context but i've applied more to creativity and i'm really in the in in service to helping people get past the the um, the things that that stop them, and there's a 
you know, we spoke a little bit earlier, but the moment we have an idea that goes, oh my goodness, let's do this thing, our safety mechanism kicks in like, like a half breath later um, and says, oh, not sure. Uh, when you did that when you were four years old, didn't work out so well for you. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And it slams on the brakes, and uh, and, and then there's this, and then there's this this push pull that's going on between this impulse, uh, which which actually has wisdom and wants to go somewhere, and then the belief of the world that you that you you you're gonna you you're not gonna be loved for doing the thing that is arising as you to do, um, and I help people with that moment because. Um, it's, be, it's, it's my observation. I, I mean, I, I've been, I've been in therapy for 20 years, my own therapy. Uh, uh, and I still have these little echoes from the past come up. I've looked at, I've looked at them multiple times and, and, and yet every time I think of doing something, they still, they still, uh, show up and, um, and slow me down and tap the brakes. And so there's something in it to me that says, it doesn't matter how much therapy you do. Um, therapy is important, but it, it, useful, but, but it doesn't matter. It, it can't get you to where your creative spark is trying to get you. Your, 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 your self-expression is, is beautiful. It's wise. It's deserving. We need it in the world so that we create a better world. We create a better environment. Um, and, and how can I help you get past the things that stop you just coming, coming right through and, 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 and showing up. Uh, I'm passionate about it. I love it. It's great work with uh, a privilege to, to support people both individually and in groups around it. I'm curious. I'm curious about my co-host, Bill. When would you say, Bill, that you get your most creative side come out? Is it when you're in, cause I've seen you in conversation where you will kind of watch your brain change your mind, which is really cool to watch when, when you're on a podcast. So is it in conversation or how, when, when does that side come out in you? I'm curious. Uh, I think it's anytime I'm exposed to new ideas, new data. So when I feel the most spiritual and, and I define spiritual as being in awe and wonder of the outside world and the inner world is when I'm listening to someone reading something, listening to something, where someone presents an idea that is that expands my mind to something it hadn't thought of before. Um, so, but there are things I go back to too. So I'll give an example, the four agreements by Miguel Ruiz. Um, I don't know what it is about his set of books, but when I read them, I am just deeply touched by the ideas in there. Even if I've already read the book three or four times, you know? Mm. Um, but for the most part, it's when new information that, I don't know. I just find new, I find new ideas that help me to be a better person. Exciting. Um, again, when I'm sitting reading this to my, my grandson, we'll do the breathing thing and I'll look at him as we're doing the front exercise, Andrew, mm. and you can see his chest get big. And yeah, yeah. And he's three years old. He's three years old. And he, yeah. his mom and dad have taught him that when he is emotionally heightened and his his world is kind of falling apart in the moment as he starts to have a temper tantrum or something. They've taught him like, let's take a deep breath. And sometimes, like you said, you can't get him to take all three of them, but he'll take one, you know? Yes. And you can sense that he is more grounded afterwards. So watching him learn new things also feels 
to watch another human being learn new things is also amazing. But my most creative spaces are when I see a new story and I, or a new idea and I follow it down. It's all its tracks, uh, trying to figure out how I can incorporate it into my world. Mm. And it is creative because I'll watch you on a podcast, get a new idea. And then your brain goes, it, it'll connect. It'll go ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. And you get really excited and you have to say all the things that just popped up in your brain. And, but it is very creative. It's like you're, um, it's like you're weaving, you know, like people who will weave different textures, you know, together and this is art and you're, you'll weave in your brain and I'll watch you do that sometimes. Yeah. Like Andrew's saying, I've never been in the midst of creating new content for a podcast where I do the research on the history or whatever it is. I'm never experiencing depression in those moments. Right. I'm never experiencing sadness or despair. I'm always feeling some degree of exhilaration and contentment when I am in those creative spaces. So I think, I think Andrew, you nailed something there. I'm, go ahead. I, I'm just, I'm just, it, it's, it's, you know, let's broaden what creativity is. So it's not just the, you know, the, the painter with a paintbrush or the musician with the guitar. It's like that. This is, this is actually a process of life that is happening all the time. Like, like from, from, absolute nothingness this something's emerging as an impulse as an idea as information and we're following it all the time there's there's small cycles in a day there's large cycles of our life that we can that we can uh, view this uh, uh, through and and it has the it, it can take us all the way is my feeling whatever you know we talk about almost awakened yet like i think it can take us all the way i think it 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 is it is the closest we can get to life itself, you know, it's hard to talk about. It's a big thing. What is that? It's kind of that, but it's, 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 it's new. It's emergent. It's, it's vivid. If you, if you, if you come into the mesmerization we spoke of, as you watch yourself write, I and mean, one of the things I like to invite people to do is to write a seven minute poem with the word spark in it, you know, and and then watch your hand as it as it manages to do this thing and like whose words are these where did they come from <laughs> it's extraordinary at that level of of uh, of of zoom mm. it is it it's mysterious enough that you do get to these kind of esoteric places where you start saying something like you know i'm a little piece of the universe that's expressing and discovering itself you know and because where, yeah, where does this come from? And it's almost, and it is almost as if these, these states or these passions or whatever that idea is that fills me up with exhilaration, which is for me, creating spiritual lessons and for teens, like that's just, that's the impossible idea that just lights me up. Mm -hmm. um, did I choose it or did it choose me? It's much more that it chose me. Mm -hmm. And and so that that is fundamentally mysterious. But we did have a um, audience question that I wanted to ask you, which was, um, I wish there was a better term than spirituality because the word indicates a belief in spirits, aka the supernatural. And for some of us, that's silly, but we recognize our brains have aha modes. So on this podcast, sometimes we talk about how this place that we're talking about of creativity or connection, these are subjective experiences that are, that are profound and meaningful. Um, 
that we're trying to put words to and the only available words are uh, have you know this religious kind of baggage around it sometimes sometimes so do you um just kind of how do you navigate that when you're talking to people do you if people call that space god do you just go there with them and call that God? Or do you have reservations about calling that place God? Um, how do you deal with kind of the language around these subjective experiences? Um, and then the triggers that come up with people, because inevitably, whatever word you choose is going to be insufficient in some way, or it's not going to translate to the other person in the same way. It's just a minefield of language. How do you how do you think about that? If, if there's ever the opportunity for personal engagement around it, um, and, and I don't mean engagement around the subject of the words, I'm just talking about the personal connection, then that's where I'll go to. I'm looking for the common ground. I'm looking for the shared, the, the shared connection. It's like, oh, you fell off your bicycle when you were four years old and hurt your knee. I did that too. I, I kind of feel like I know what that's like. Um, it, it's, I, I have... Um, at, at different times had different challenges with different words for myself. So I can understand and relate to what that might feel like. It can feel very difficult when, um, when God isn't your word and somebody else is using that word. Um, and, 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 and it does that thing where we kind of push away because we go into the ideology as opposed to, you know, the moment of, of two people meeting each other. Um, I, I, now, for me, I, I, don't, I really don't mind the position that someone else takes. I'm kind of, I feel like I've, I feel like I've, I'm okay if, if, if your language is. I have dear friends who are who are Seventh Day Adventists, and you know, we, we go for walks and and uh, and we pray together, and it's like, and, and we have completely different worlds, you know. And I don't think that they necessarily understand my world, but I don't need them to. Um, and I for sure don't entirely understand their world, um, but I see their commitment and I see their faith and I see their spiritual inquiry. And that makes me feel good. It's like if you're in the work of your own inquiry and it's, this is, this is, you know, in the parenting space, we, we see so often parents who like feel that they're not good enough parents and, and they're telling us about it whilst being at a parenting conference where they are learning how to be better parents. It's like they're in the game already taking care of, of becoming, um, becoming better at the thing that they think that they're not, that they're not great at. You know, if you're in your inquiry um, as opposed to rigidity and you're exploring things for yourself, I've got, I've got all the love in the world. Yeah. Love that's it. a good answer. Bill. Love, yeah, love it. I mean, again, to the question that the person put, you know, put in the comments. Um, yes, the world thinks of the word spirituality a certain way, but we, you know, we in this space recognize that that ball, you know, that, that, that's been moved. Um, the, that goalpost or whatever's been moved. Like we, we recognize that the collective uh, folks on the second half of life have begun to redefine that word in a way that the, Books that are spiritual today uh, are very different than what would have been a spiritual book 20 years ago. And so I would just suggest people redefine the word. Um, I said earlier that spirituality is when I feel awe and wonder about my outer world or inner world. Uh, folks are free to take a definition sort of like that and start to 
put that definition out into the world. And, and as you can already see, that word is changing. It's, it's changing dynamically. If you go online and Google uh, any browser search engine and, and type in what is spirituality, <laughs> the answers that come up today are just so much different than what you would have saw. Because spirituality was so connected to religion. And in the last, say, decade, maybe decade and a half, you've really sensed the Western world. I think you made a great point, Andrew, that Eastern and Western thought, Eastern world, Western world have been very much distinctly separate, unknowing of each other practically. And now we're in a place where people are doing secular Buddhism all over the place. Um, people are looking at sacred text with new eyes and doing things in a much different manner. And so I just don't think we're limited to what definition was created in 1850. I think we can create uh, a new meaning in words and and I think it happens every day all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 mean, I just hope that it's heard that I'm not. Uh, I, we're in the we're in the wrestle of language together. We're all we're all in it. Um, I, I I I still want to come down to the heart space, you know, and come to the connective space and say, you know, there's there's no part of me here trying to assert anything over anybody else. There's no part of me trying to make me right and somebody else wrong. Um, I've lived under that it, it, in apartheid South Africa. It's it, it's deeply uncomfortable for me to be to be that. I may still slip into it from time to time, but then I have the skills to apologize and to say, "Oh wow, and to, I, I'm sorry I did that, and I didn't mean to. Um, what was it like for you?" And then we can come back again into this into this place of the heart and just go the 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 nuance I would hate for the nuance of the language of one word to be the reason why we miss each other and the reason why, mm. you, you know, what is good in, in my collection of stories, you know, gets thrown out entirely. You talked, spoke right at the beginning, baby in bathwater, right? How do we, how do we, how do we, how do we choose which is where we want to lead from? And a lot of these dialogues around, uh, um, they they can become extremely cognitive and um, and extremely you know you know I don't want the righteousness of it from me. It's like it's not uh, not. It's yeah. What, what I want to hear here here what are you struggling with and how can I help you and you know and and which story might uh, might be in service to that and where's your creativity stuck and in your life and let's get that moving in your life. Cause it's like all of these things move all of us forward. Yeah. It seems like you, you know, the, the tool that you're trying to pass along is way higher priority than the, than the belief system it's placed in. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said like, look, I've got people who, uh, you know, the prayer that searched for God and, and then the book about the witch, you, you've placed these tools in various narratives, um, and you've got people on both sides who maybe get uncomfortable, but that speaks volumes about your ability to to not limit yourself in any one sort of religious narrative dialogue or or to get stuck on words. Mm. I, I, I like that. Go ahead. Oh well, I was just wondering if it's story time. You know, it's like uh, like. Uh, I want, yeah, one more thing, and then we'll do story time. But that brought up for me is is uh, in this conversation of what words do we use and what's actually, you know, we have conversations about what's really going on. And what I like about your approach is that by doing the hard approach, like we're just going to go in on, on the hard approach, it almost like fixes. So when you're talking to the Seventh-day Adventists, there's a lot of religious criticism that you can do in that space, 
But by doing the hard approach and getting there, it's almost like those critiques then start to take care of themselves from their heart space, essentially. Right. Yeah. They would they would then start to critique things that limit that heart space that they're experiencing in their spiritual life or or, you know, those conversations that they have with you. And so it is it is an approach that doesn't entirely leave the cognitive problems out. It's an approach that says that that'll take care of itself better if we can have this connection human to human where we're not so picky about what's the yeah. actual word for God that we're using in this conversation. Right. Yeah, and so what, the what role are you, what are you struggling with them. So, oh, I'm so yes. sorry. That sounds hard. Yes. And so the rule that I use for myself is if we're talking about a subjective experience, it doesn't matter the language or how that is being you know, translated from their culture or just their brain to mine. How can I find that ground and meet it so that we can make that connection? And it truly doesn't matter. But then if we're having an objective conversation about subjective experience, well, that's like, you know, I'm on a panel and this is a cognitive game and just something that we want to do. And that's a different that's a different game, right? Because that's that's a conversation about, all right, let's take all this subjective experience and try to make sense of what's actually going on. And that's a cognitive game that I enjoy playing, but um, not really appropriate when you're trying to connect with people and really get somewhere. That's that I leave that kind of over there, and that's a place that I play over there. Um, but I do like this approach. I've learned that I just. It's just better, even if you have religious criticisms or maybe critical of, or maybe you don't quite use the same word. If you can get to that heart space connection, that kind of just will make sense by itself or that'll kind of be fixed by itself. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that over time, but I didn't start there. I usually started with, well, your beliefs are stupid. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a long road for me. <laughs> All right, so do we want to go to story time? I know you wanted to share one of your stories, so Bill will kind of put it up on the screen. For, yeah, if for you, the can, you can, you can present your screen. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do the little brain people. That's great. Um, and uh, uh, this is a story that is giving children language and tools to help them with yucky brain moments. Um, again, another another like term we can put into the lexicon and you can say are you having a yucky brain moment like yes okay now good let's see if we can help um and i will i will present the story for for uh those who follow along on the youtube channel and then um and we'll you know we'll talk it through for those who are listening just to the audio um and... i can't wait i don't have this one so i can't wait okay share screen Right. Can you see that there now? Mm -hmm. Okay, wonderful. So, welcome to story time. Kick your feet up, grab your kids, children of all ages. Um, this story is dedicated to all who think, and uh, that may just include you. Um, and let's do the snuggle breathing meditation together just to start. So, I like to put my hand on my heart. Uh, if that feels good, go ahead and do that. And the first breath is for yourself. Um, it's that old oxygen mask adage, put your own oxygen mask on first. Um, and so breathing in, I breathe for me. Nice breath in. <sighs> now I contextualize that here you are with me. So I breathe for you. 
Together we make us, and I breathe for us. And we have the context, so I breathe for all that surrounds us. Uh, I mean, I'm having a little stretch here. It like has already feels good for me. <laughs> that felt for me. I mean, that was what maybe ten seconds, but yeah. I felt even just doing that mm. um, felt like just really a lot of gratitude. That yeah. like time is time is one of the most valuable. I mean, it's the most valuable asset that we have, and and Bill you know, gives me so much of his, his time as my friend. And then we get to meet you and I just shot you an email and you gave your time to come talk to us for an hour. And, and, you know, if you, if you would have asked me, uh, are you grateful for that? I would have said, yeah, I'm grateful for that. But in that moment, I felt very, very grateful. Like, wow, these two people are giving me time. Like that's so valuable. Anyway, and you can feel your body ground. Me. You can feel your body recenter and ground in the midst of doing that. It's it's Eastern ideas around meditation and being present are just, I don't know, just it's an amazing tool that most humans don't use. Yeah. Good. So that's your transition tool. It's that, you know, you can use it on any story, whether it's mine or somebody else's, you can use it between, I actually start all of my, my work meetings with this. Um, we, we, it's, it, it's, it's an aid for, uh, the, the little quick touch point, uh, paired and shared breathing is the fastest way for us to attune and regulate with each other, to check in with ourselves, to see how we're doing, what we're feeling. Um, and you just got this wonderful insight there, Brett, as you like, you went, oh, here's me and oh, I'm doing this thing. And you just glanced around for a moment and you saw the two of us right here with you creating this usness um, uh, for this podcast of yours that goes out into the world. That is me, you, us, and all that surrounds us happened right there for you in that moment. So wonderful to, to see that. Let's jump into story time. Once upon a time, on a very ordinary day, deep in the center of a very ordinary heart. Nope. <laughs> That's funny. I've just read you the opening line of a different story because yeah, yeah. I'm so natural. So let's do the brain story. Once upon a time on a very ordinary day, deep in the center of a very ordinary brain, a scary thing happened. Deep in the center of this brain lived the little brain people. Cute little characters look a little bit like squirrels um, as we look at the profile of the brain. Dopamine was very good at solving puzzling problems and making challenging choices. His twin sister, Serotonin, was best at growing feelings of love, joy, and happiness. On most days, you could see the twins happily relaxing in the front of the brain, but not on this day. On this day, there was a problem. Uh-oh. A loud clattering bang gave serotonin and dopamine a fright. A very big fright. Ah! yelled serotonin, curling up in a ball, whimpering. The world is falling on our heads, shouted dopamine, running to hit the panic button. Everything's turning red. 
Cousin Adrenaline jumped into action, bursting from his security watchtower, barking instructions. Danger, danger, danger. It's not safe. It's not safe. It's not safe. The echoing screams of frightened little brain people filled all the pathways with worry and fear as everyone braced for lockdown. In the cloud of chaos, serotonin and dopamine collided and started fighting for no good reason. Totally overwhelmed, the whole brain just froze. Uh-oh. Luckily, Auntie Oxytocin had missed all the drama. She'd been sitting on the potty. <laughs> Whoa, what happened here? She said, her teeth chattering. She paused, breathing calmly, wondering how to help her panicked, frozen friends. Hmm, they must be having a yucky brain moment, said Oxytocin. I know what to do. She walked to the front of the brain and gently touched the all-clear reset button. Beautiful music played as Oxytocin's calming voice flowed through all the frozen pathways. You are safe. You are safe. You are safe. <sighs> ah sighed serotonin and dopamine, taking deep breaths while wiggling their fingers and toes. Oh well, huffed adrenaline as he sulked back to the watchtower knowing that his job was done. The twins chatted happily as they returned to the front of the brain. That was scary, said serotonin. I'm sorry I got mad at you. I feel happy again. I'm sorry too, replied dopamine. That was confusing for me. I'm glad I can think clearly now. That night, the twins snuggled together with their family of little brain people, grateful to be feeling safe and loved once again. They all got the best night's sleep ever. The end. <laughs> I love it. I think my this is, I never read it. I don't have this one with my kids, although I will be rectifying that soon. Um, my favorite part of that story is that dopamine, like it wasn't the bad guy. It wasn't like a bad guy came in and is causing all these problems and it's the bad part of the brain. It's dopamine did its job, right? Yeah. He went back to that part of the brain and he did his job because that's what they're there to do. And so it didn't, there was nothing in there that was like bad. This is bad. You, your brain shouldn't do this. You shouldn't feel that right. way. Right. Which is what we get from a lot of like, um, you know, you, you I, I see people tell kids, you know, you just need to be happy right now. It's like, well, there's obviously something more going on there, but I love that it, it, it just kind of lowers the temperature of adrenaline's doing its job. It's not bad. And yep. then he'll go back and then we can kind of settle here. That, that's right. Absolutely. It's, it's a dynamic place. And we have here the brain balance barometer is the activity page at the end of the book. And we have this little barometer that lets you see whether you're feeling calm, focused, happy, uh, frightened, fighting or frozen. Um, and then if you're in restoring calm, then you'd be sighing, breathing and relaxing. These are the actions. And, and, and it allows us to practice those things um, uh, during story time when we're not activated 
so that when we are activated, we can go, hey, let's press the all clear reset button, sigh loudly, <sighs> breathe into your belly, stretch, relax, play some music. Yawning is such a great way to, to down-regulate a tight nervous system um, and snuggling as we do in story time. So... Loved it. Yeah. I love that you're using real words. So you're educating kids so that if they were to know this story well, then as time goes on, as they encounter these words in the real world, they get to apply the similar meaning that you've given to them. Mm -hmm. um, you're helping the children to understand that each of these play an important role. And I think you're in this subtle way, really teaching them the secret to getting out of one spot in your head that is panicking and frantic when it doesn't need to be and to learn to calm down and to kind of regulate and get back to feeling safe and calm. Because again, as you're, as you're well aware, and these books point to all we've got is these present moments and let's make the most of them. Let's, let's all feel safe as much as possible. Mm. There are moments in our life that call for emergency and adrenaline, but they're a lot less than what we think they are. And, and the brain is, the, you know, we, we're coming back to tying this into, the, into that creative spark that I mentioned. The spark comes up, and the first thing is, like, all the little brain people check out the safety of the world. And it's right to do that. It's right to just do a quick look around and go, is there a saber-toothed tiger about to eat yeah. me? It's not right to then stop because a saber-toothed tiger once showed up a, a million years ago. Right. Um, you know, it, we, we, and, and, and we, sometimes that little, that little um, thing becomes a, an impasse for folk that, that, that keeps them from really, uh, really daring and risking to go out into the world, which is, which is it, it, it's, you know, I, I don't want to be controversial in saying that the world is a loving and safe place, but I do feel like at its heart, for many of us, you know that that it's in service to us having having a having a, a loving and safe experience, um, and that you know that's not ignoring the fact that that um, that many people need need to overcome great difficulties to get to that experience. Right. Mm. Totally. Yeah. All right. I have one last question for you, and then we've taken enough of your time today, and we'll let you go. Um, do you have anything projects in the pipeline? What's still sparking your creativity? Are you um, do you have more books coming? Do you just want to get the books, you know, into more places? What What's exciting you for for your future? Yeah, so we definitely want to get the books into more places. That's that's always part of the uh, uh, the both the business need and the service need um, together. Um, we want to be having this conversation more widely. We have um, coming up for the first time. We've been shipping to Australia and Canada, um, but we're actually going to have. Um, businesses on the ground in Australia and Canada, which is mean, you know, they're 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 super fans, and 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 this is wonderful. Um, I am writing at the moment my first adult book, which is about creativity. It's about the creative spark um, uh, and um, the cycles of creativity. And I and I teach around that already in workshops. But what I, what's also new, um, uh, just in in. Uh, uh, it is the first cohort of people coming through a year-long program together that we call the creative huddle. And the creative huddle is a place where spiritually minded, creative, entrepreneurial folk can come in, um, be together, and, 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 and have like a, an, a consistent sense of welcome and kindness um, to their 
self-expression that's also integrated with some just community accountability that keeps things moving forward so that we don't drop the ball um, on our own ideas. Um, and I'm very excited to see what uh, the, the, the members of the group um, act, actually create in their lives over the course of, the, of, of this year together. Um, and that's, uh, that's out now and we, we're, we're um, yeah, come and, come, and, come and chat to me about it. It's a very low-key launch, so I'm delighted to be able to talk about it. Um, and uh, would love to have folks uh, come and meet with me and I will, I'll, I'll take them through what we're going to do. Uh, I, just yeah. to, I just want to throw a comment up real quick, Britt. Um, controversially, in my upbringing, the word meditation was thought as a negative word. I love how you're educating children to know it's a healthy thing. So mm. there's another thank Thanks. you. Yeah. Yeah. And when, yeah, when that gets published, man, I am, will definitely, we will, we'd love to have you back on the podcast to talk about it. That That's so exciting. I've, I've known people who have done co cohorts for different things and I've seen really, really big projects come out of cohorts where you're holding space for trying something and getting used to putting your ideas out in the world and getting a little bit more confident. And then, you know, one of our friends, John Ogden, who has a program called Uplift Kids, which is a spiritual curriculum for kids. It came out mm -hmm. of one of those cohorts. And uh, so that that's really exciting. And we'll definitely yeah. have you back on when you're ready to promote that. And uh, good luck to you. And just thank you for all that you do. And, and we've been using your stuff without even, we didn't even talk to each other yeah. and we had found your work. So we just so appreciate that you put your little poem out into the world and because uh, we're we definitely benefit from it so thank you so much andrew newman Britt, thank you both thank you so just for being ambassadors for for the for conversation and dialogue and with an with an an, an openness that's um uh it's a, it's a gift to the world and uh, i'm delighted to have been able to to come and join you and meet you both in this way Perfect. Uh, really look forward to hearing from your community and seeing what um what this sparks in them yeah awesome. yeah Thanks so Excellent. much. Thank you, my friend. All right. All right. You know, Br Britt, do you want me to let him go and talk a little bit after? Or do yeah. You want to, yeah. Let's chat up? for a second. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to let you go, Andrew. Have a great day and uh, can't wait to see what you come up with over the coming years. Wonderful. All the best. Take it easy. All right. All give right. me a second to make that look a little nicer. Yeah. What did you think? So I'll tell you, um, having used these books several times, uh, I've probably read these stories to my grandson maybe six, seven, eight times. We haven't had the books that long. Um, I, I think this is the kind of stuff that changes the world. I mean, imagine, imagine an extra thousand kids, and that's not much. Imagine an extra thousand kids who are influenced by these reading materials. Yeah. Um, Imagine parents reading these stories who are influenced by these reading materials. I do think that the next generation has a lot of challenges. Like our Paleolithic brains, it's very clear that like the the level of communication that we have, like we're still kind of grappling with it. The next generation is going to have its own problems and challenges. And certainly, you know, social media and other things are challenging, but they also have so many tools. Like the fact that my six-year-old, there's two things that my six-year-old did that I never could have done until I was an adult. And one was when a doctor said, can I lift up your dress to look at your tummy? She was just wearing a dress and she said, no, thank you. So the doctor got a sheet and put it over her 
you know, put it over her underwear so that he could look at her belly. And I was like, it took me until I was an adult to be able to say to an adult man, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, right? right. Like I like, but, but we have talked about consent and it's just part of our family conversation that mm -hmm. it's your body and you get to choose. And then this thing where like, she knows, um, she'll say sometimes that she has, um, sticky thoughts and we'll do this or she'll tell me to go take my breast when I'm losing my patience and like I can have like at six you know like that's something now does that mean that like I'm a great parent and she's not gonna have any problems like no like there's gonna be a lot of problems problems that I don't know that I'm creating problems that I know that are there there's problems but there there are some tools coming out that are that we just have never had a generation of kids be able to have before, which is really interesting. Yeah. And um, there are so many of these kind of high end conversations that are happening. And, and I'm, as you were talking about your kid, I'm thinking about my grandchildren. I'm thinking about my kids. My kids are parenting in exceptional ways that I, as you said earlier, I, I, I couldn't even fathomed parenting the way they are. They're, there's something magical happening. Again, I get it. There's another side of things where people are feeling privileged. People are feeling their privilege being diminished and they're showing up unhealthy. But there is a lot of human beings right now who are really determined to get better and to be healthy and to show up in ways that that honors the humanity of everyone around them and to become, to develop the tools that they become better people themselves. And I'm I'm really enjoying it. I see it. I see it all around me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious about, I'm, I'm curious more about, not more, but also about his work with kind of this creative spark thing and getting adults to be able to find that. And the thing that came up for me was, you know, I work with a lot of especially Mormon or post-Mormon women where um, they'll legit say to me like, okay, I, you know, my kids are in school now or they're gone. I have no idea who I am, what I want to do, what I like, what lights me up. I don't know. What my, I don't know what my passions are. And I feel like he has some tools that I don't have that I could learn from to be able to kind of find that space where something comes through you. That's really exciting. Right. Yeah. Um, and it is a little bit still mysterious. Sometimes we have spiritual language around that because we don't fully understand what's happening and more goes on in our subconscious than we can even know about um but i'm cute yeah we'll definitely have to have him on when he publishes that book to talk about the adult side of things which is how do you engage with your life in a way or find a way to where you wake up and you're excited about the projects of the day even though life may be ultimately meaningless right that's a big yeah. adult project yeah yeah and you know, the book that I was thinking of earlier that we couldn't come up with was The Awakened Brain by Lisa Miller. Yes. That's the one you, did you yes. say that one? Yes, did. I okay. did say that one. It is a great one. I have I have so many books that I recommend to people. And sometimes I don't, I, I you know, it just depends on my mood for the day. For yeah. But for you, I was thinking of definitely that that would be one that you would like. Because I just, I, I know you, we've spent yeah. time together. So um, we, I think we should do that one on the podcast. That one's pretty meaty. It, it is, um, but it goes right along with what he's saying. It, he's, you know, he's he's pointing out when he feels creative, he feels happy. Um, creativity, which really is this idea of being curious about something and then going inside and coming up with something new. And uh, 
whether it's the awakened brain where, where Lisa is pointing out that spirituality is the thing that solves the, the depression crisis or the emotional uh, struggle that, that most humans are having. Um, and then he talks about being creative solves. It. These are all the same tool being talked about in different ways. And I'm just, I just hope over the next few decades, I hope that we humans really start to lean into what tools work and what tools don't. Cause I think we're right there on the precipice where we're yeah. about ready as a collective humanity for the majority of us to go like, I know this is what's been fed to us, but those tools don't work. Those ones do. And these ones are going to get a light shined on them for a while to see what happens. Yeah. And I think that's, what's going to make this essentially like when you get to that point where, Oh, I could do anything I want with my life. What do I really want to do? And it was still, I still want to do this. Like in 30 years, like I hope that you and I are, can still talk about this because he said it before, we're right on the cusp of something. We're not there, but something is happening. And you get the sense too of like, religion is just not, it has so many great tools. It's not resonating with the kids. Then we give them cell phones. There's this, there's this crisis of depression and anxiety and disconnection. And then spirituality is not just, you know, religious woo, but like real spirituality seems to be the antidote to all this, except the religions are no longer able to give that tools to the kids. So now the adults have to work through all of their triggers to be able to try to understand this, to, mm -hmm. to be able to have this be, you know, tools to give to the children. But there's no church that you can walk into where like the primary is reading these stories to your kids. And so we're all trying to figure it out. And so it is, it, it's messy, but it's exciting. You know, it's an exciting project to, to keep talking about. And I think you and I will be able to talk about it until the day we die, because we're not, we're not there, but something's happening. Something's yeah. happening. Yeah. And I, I'm, it's fun to be in a place where a few people tune in and we get to share things we're, we're learning or to present people who are doing these, this foundational work as Andrew is. And uh, it's really exciting to be in a space where we get to be the tool that is delivering kind of the curiosity of the world to another set of people and things get perpetuated and ideas get discussed. Um, I couldn't imagine a funner space to be in. Yeah, um, this is the this. best game in town. This yeah, is the best game it. in town. Even if I, we never get to any answers about anything, this yeah. is still the best game to play. So Love it. I just want to say, by the way, just as we're kind of wrapping up, Last year, the Almost Awakened podcast brought in, uh, I think, 300 bucks. And then Britt Hartley uh, joins up. And last year, we're now into 2023. Last year, I think we raised about 6000 maybe $7,000. And uh, I just want to say thank you to you. You've, you brought that to this podcast, whatever that is. It's the magic sauce that, that folks are, are contributing to help keep this kind of program going. And I just want to say to, to folks, if you're, by the way, Britt is doing 85% of the work here. Um, she is the one who's getting these incredible guests uh, on the show way more prevalently than I am. Uh, she just has made such an effort to reach out to the, the kind of the wise folks around us and to put those voices on the podcast. I thought the um, faith after doubt uh, conversations that we've had have been marvelous. Um, we've just had several guests on that have been exceptional Folks, if you want to see that continue, please. Um, I don't. I don't take any of the funds from Almost Awakened. Uh, Britt gets the the full amount that a podcast host in this umbrella gets, 
And uh, because she's doing most of the work, if you like what's happening here, folks, go to almostawaken.org. Become a supporter of the program. Donate five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. And uh, let's take 6,000 this year and turn it into 12,000 for 2023. And let's see if we can't grow this thing to a point where Britt can really focus a lot of her time and energy here. Uh, Cause we're already seeing what she's doing with a limited amount and yeah, uh, just really that. appreciate what you do. I, I put a lot, I put, you know, I have a limited amount of mom time. And so I do put it into this, to this podcast. So those who, you know, appreciate that and are able to support the podcast enable me to do what I do. Cause yeah. Um, as much as I love these conversations, you know, I do have limited mom time that I have to be aware of and, and a family and needs and all mm. those things. So I, this has just been, you know, my, I have like a word every year. I don't know if you, I don't know if I've ever told you this bill, but my word last year, um, you know, I kind of have like a intention word every January just to, you know, I feel myself going in this direction. And my word last year was voice. And it was this idea of like, I don't entirely have the answers to anything, but I really just want to find my voice. And so I reached out to you and we started to have these conversations and the first couple ones were, were a little bit awkward. I was still trying to find my voice, but I do feel, um, I do feel like that project or that intention was a success in that we were able to get really prominent people in this space, right? Yeah. People like Andrew Newman who are doing really big things to, to come and talk to us about spirituality and, so I'm, I'm really proud of what we've done this year. And I, I hope that the support continues, which I'm so grateful for, so that we can start getting, you know, even bigger names, right? And so we talked about the awakened brain. Like, I hope we can get Lisa Miller. I hope we can get Sam Harris. Like, let's, I'm going to shoot for the moon here. I'm going to, yeah. I'm as, as I'm going to take this as, as big <laughs> and as helpful and as meaningful as I possibly can. For as long as there's someone listening so it, if this has been helpful for you please you know join me in that project by being able to support us and we had yeah. a couple comments i read through the comments that you sent me from our kind of youtube channel and someone had someone had donated because they they said this has been therapy for the me this year right this has been um mm. This has been something like therapy for me for the year. And so they felt like they owed something because it had been therapy for them. And I just really appreciated that, that someone said, you know what, this has been helpful for me. And so I want to support it. And that um, is really meaningful to me. And, and I hope we can keep having these conversations for people. So, and for us. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking, you know, uh, Nick Jankel, Thomas J. Ord, Bart Campolo earlier in the year. It just, I'm really excited to see what we come up with this year. And by we, I mean you and, and to a large extent. <laughs> as long as you do the tech, oh my God. Yeah. You guys don't even know, like this podcast just looks really smooth and there's boxes moving places and we're reading books on it. The amount of tech that, that Bill is doing in the background that I am totally helpless with is unbelievable. So don't, don't sell yourself short, friend. Okay. I would be, yeah, I would not be able to do any of this with, without that too. And your contributions. Yeah. So folks, uh, hopefully this is all helping you to be a little bit more almost awakened uh, week after week. And we're really happy to, to be bringing this to you. You can support the podcast at almostawakened.org at the top header. Just click the donate button. Send us a few bucks every month. Uh, we'd love to grow the podcast this year uh, significantly. And we'll see what that means as we go along. But uh, appreciate each of you. And those of you who do know, donate, thank you so much. It is amazing yeah, to you. watch uh, this podcast. Uh, grown over the last 12 months and to really see it uh, begin to take some footing and 
And so we're proud of each of you for supporting us and of the work that uh, we're putting out. We hope that you're proud. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Okay. Bill. Take it easy, Brett. All right. Bye. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director, Brittany Hartman.